Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Thank you so much for joining us during this Thanksgiving week. A huge shout out to those of you who are watching us in our San Jose campus. Make some noise in San Jose. And I am super, super blessed as well for those of you who are joining us on various platforms from across the country and across the world. Now, uh, can you just simply say the indispensable gift? Go ahead. Say it again. The indispensable gift. I want to talk about that a little bit as we engage with one of my favorite passages of Scripture, Psalms 150. Let's listen to what the writer says in Psalms 150. Praise the Lord, he begins with an explanation. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for acts of power, his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Let everything, shout everything, everything that has breath, praise the Lord. And then for super emphasis, come on, read this last part with me. Praise the Lord. There is the reading of the text. Interestingly enough, I want to suggest to you today that each of us have an indispensable gift that what scientists have found recently to be what I want to call a superpower, a real life, no make-believe superpower. It's found in a practice and in a principle and in a truth. Dr. Robert Emmons is a leading expert in a field of study called positive psychology movement. In this particular field, he's linking some of the most recent uh, discoveries in neurological science to uh, the various ways that our personality are shaped and how we present and interact in the world. And one of the fascinating things that he has said is that, generally speaking, our personalities are formed at a very early age and very little change about our personality. We can live to be 80, 90, uh, 100 years old. Basically, we're the same people. We interact with the world in generally, for the most part, the same way, with one difference. The one difference is actually this indispensable gift that I am saying to you is in fact what he would say in many ways is a real life superpower. This one practice, this one insight he suggests uh, can make a massive difference in who and how we understand ourselves to be and how we interact with the world. I was reading Forbes article uh, just a few days ago, and they identified this same, what I'm calling superpower, this same truth, this same practice. And here's what they said, that if companies would engage in this particular practice, and 70% of HR experts were surveyed in this particular, uh, around this particular subject, and they all concluded that if companies engaged in this particular practice, that... It would dramatically cause their employees uh, to multiply their productivity far greater, far more impactful than a raise, a salary raise or promotion. Now, you've got to be asking, what is this indispensable gift? What is this practice? What is this thing that we're talking about? Well, with that question in the background of your mind, let me just step back just a few moments. Psalms 150 is the, is, the, is the last of 150 psalms. It has six verses. Interestingly enough, the very first psalm also starts 
with six verses. And in the middle of that first Psalms, verse 3 actually, you essentially get this, uh, this incredible uh, thought. Blessed are they who delight in the law of the Lord, the law of the Lord, the heart of God's word, God's teaching, meditating on it day and night. Interesting point here. Watch this. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Can you shout each season? In good seasons and bad seasons and up seasons and low seasons, they tend to keep bearing fruit. Their leaves never wither, meaning they don't die. They prosper in all that they do. The suggestion of the psalm that's here in, in Psalms 1 is that at the very heart of God's word, there are some truths, y'all, that can help us to be prosperous and fruitful in every season of our lives. And check it out. Modern day science have just figured out what are one of those truths. This thing that I'm referring to is kind of a superpower. And then starting with Psalms 1, working its way all the way to 150 Psalms, David plus other psalmists, they take us through every imaginable season of life with prayer and worship. Look at some of the seasons that they walk us through. Psalms 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall feel no evil, for thou art with me. That's a season. Or what about Psalms 41? As a deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for thee. My soul thirsts for you, God. My tears have been my bread both day and night as I'm taunted with the voices. Where, where, where is your God? This is the season of not being able to find God. That's the season. Or Psalms 51. Have mercy on me, O God, with your tender mercies. Cover me with your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions and my sins as David deals with his own personal brokenness and sinfulness. That's a season. Or move to Psalms 116. I love the Lord that he heard my cry. You know, one of the great hymns that we used to sing back in Zion Chapel Baptist Church started off that way. I love the Lord. He heard my cry. Pitted every groan. The psalmist goes on to say, because he delivered me from the cords of death and all those things that were trying to destroy me. That's a season, y'all. That's a season. And then finally we get to Psalms 150, and it begins, it begins this way. Praise the Lord. It is, it is, it is, it is. From the, if you step back, it is suggesting that a journey starts with Psalms 1. It comes to a crescendo, in, it, in a sense, uh, comes full circle in Psalms 3 and Psalms 150. And as the psalmist looks back over all those different seasons, here's what he says. Come on now. He talks about praise the Lord as an invitation. I'm going to invite you. Here's the point. In every season, he could see the presence of God, the provisions of God, the blessings of God, the gifts of God, the salvation of God. And every season, even when it felt like God had abandoned him, God was still there. And so the crescendo moment of the whole thing comes with these wonderful words, praise ye the Lord. Makes me think of the song we used to sing uh, when I was growing up in church. When I think of the goodness of the Lord, my soul cries out. Hallelujah, hallelujah. This, this phrase, this opening phrase, praise the Lord, is, as I said a moment ago, it's an invitation. If you want to be able to navigate the difficult and different seasons of life, practice the principle of praising God. 
It's an exaltation. It is though as he's trying to bring us along, he explodes in the praise himself. And, in, 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 and it's also a command. He says, listen, praise God as a practice. Now, another way of saying what he is suggesting comes to praising God as the author and the giver of every good and perfect gift, the one who's with us in every season. He could simply rephrase it this way. Be grateful. There it is. There's the secret power. There's the thing that makes employees work harder and more effective and more productive and corporations. Gratitude. Feeling appreciated. Grateful. There it is. That's what, what enables uh, people to turn the corner in their personal life, their academic life, their spiritual life, this notion of practicing gratitude, of recognizing that God is the source of remarkable gifts that define our life day in and day out. Be grateful. And somebody shout praise God. Another way of being grateful, another way of saying praise God is simply thank you, Lord. I say hallelujah. Listen, if you take the phrase praise God, it's, it's, it's really where we get the word hallelujah in the Hebrew phrase. If I say hallelujah, you say thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Yes, thank you, Lord. How often does hallelujah show up in your spirit as you move through the day? How often do you run into opportunities or how often are you in to say thank you Lord I'm not just talking about in the church I'm not talking about listening to me preach I'm not talking about hearing a great praise song that's wonderful I'm talking about those these events ought to get you set up and spurred up so that as you move from Monday to Friday from work to the bus come on that you keep running into reasons to say praise God praise God praise God that there's an active gratitude that's in your life Gratitude. Can you simply say gratitude? Well, Dr. Emmons, who I just talked about a few moments ago, is, he's the kind of the foremost expert in this notion of the study of gratitude. He's written a book called Gratitude Works, a 21-day program for creating emotional prosperity. I want to recommend this book to you. I want to encourage you to go to Amazon or wherever, purchase this book. And between now and the end of the year, I want to challenge you to engage this book. And by the way, if for whatever reason you uh, can't afford it or you just want a gift from me, <laughs> send an email. My email address is right here on the screen. Send an email to me. Check it out. And we'll send you this book as a free gift from me. That's how uh, uh, serious I am about you engaging in this remarkable work called gratitude. The book really chronicles all of the scientific data and out of the scientific data creates a 21-day plan with different uh, uh, research-backed practices that help you to become a more grateful person. Practice gratitude in your life. All right, well, Pastor, what's the big deal here? Well, remember the psalm that says, listen, I'm saying that the most important thing you ought to be doing as you move through life is declaring praise, is being grateful. Why? Well, here's what science has taught us. Number one, those of us who, those who practice gratitude in their life on a regular basis, uh, there is an improved sense of self-worth and their relationships with others grow by leaps and bounds. Their anxiety is reduced and you see increase in their altruism 
and generosity. How does gratitude work? Here's the deal. When I tell you about why I'm grateful for what you have done in my life or why I'm grateful for you, I'm blessed and you're blessed. And we both chemically experience the same thing. There's a creation of serotonin and dopamine and, and the, and the brain cells of our, of, of our brain and the exit of our brain. And, and the more we are grateful, the more these chemicals are created. And scientists tells us, check this out, that it, it enhances our mood. We become much more optimistic. It increases our motivation. We, we tend to get more focused on goals. And it strengthens our willpower, our tenacity to make things happen. The impact of being grateful. Let me give you an example of what this looks like in real life. Last weekend, uh, as some of you know, some of you actually participated, we uh, went out and served in three locations across the Bay Area. One of them was, is, is a uh, homeless uh, program that provides a wide range of services to the unhoused communities called We Hope in East Palo Alto. And a story uh, got back to me of one of the parents. We had lots of, we had kids and high schoolers working alongside adults, etc. It was wonderful. Kids as young as six years old. One of the parents, after watching his kid work so extremely hard over the course of two hours, said uh, to one of our team members, I can't believe it. He says, he says, I can't get my kid to do anything at home. Chores, none of that. But here for the last two hours, he's watching the kid weeding stuff and painting stuff and working hard. Not one time did the kid say, when can I go home? How long does it? No complaints, no bad attitude. It's a different kid. It's like, what, what happened to my kid? <laughs> I told you this is a superpower. Check it out. Here, here's what went down. That kid was able to make a connection between the kindness that he, was, he or she was pouring out uh, through painting and weeding and, and decluttering offices and the clients of that homeless program that was standing around and some of them actually helping. They could see the connection between their work and how it would bless other people. And that kid was grateful. And that gratitude, gosh, it was like a superpower in his life. His parents didn't even recognize him anymore. <laughs> Come on. It was just super great. What happened? He's motivated. He's got a great attitude. He's got, you know, he's working tenaciously until the job is done. Praise the Lord. Cultivate that capacity to move through life on a daily basis, finding yourself your living being punctuated with thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, if gratitude is so great, why is it so difficult? Why is it difficult to be grateful? Most of us find it difficult to be grateful as a norm. Let me give you a couple of suggestions why. Number one, it's difficult because we are fixated on the future. And we're running as fast as we can to get that next promotion, to lose that weight, to gain that muscle. Come on, to be better, to acquire more. And we're running so fast that we totally, we never slow down to see what God has already given us. The incredible gifts that we have in front of us. Number two, sometimes because we're preoccupied with the past. 
uh, some event of yesterday, some season of sin or some horrendous mistake or some person who is supposed to love us that abandoned us is either shame or guilt or brokenhearted. We are looking in the past without realizing that the sun has risen afresh and that God, without recognizing what God has placed in our now. The love that's right in front of us. The, 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 how the lessons of yesterday have created a foundation for us to spring forward into a whole new season of life. Preoccupied with the past. Thirdly, scientists say that one of the challenges for us is that we are kind of hardwired to have a negative bias. Have you ever noticed that it's easier for you to pick up things that are broken or that are wrong? Right? You tend to comment more on the things that your spouse, a loved one, a child, a parent get wrong quicker before you comment on what goes right. One of the suggestions is that early in the history of humanity that, you know, we had to have a suspicion. We had to always be on alert. We always had to perceive the negative early. Otherwise, we'd lose our lives. And so some folks say we've come high. Well, the theologian says it's the inward bent, right? We're, we're so focused. Another way it may show up is, you know, you can have 10 people over the course of your day tell you wonderful things about yourself, and there'll be one person, come on now, who says something <laughs> not so wonderful, and you will lay up all, all night thinking about that one negative comment, something that draws us. And then lastly, Dr. Emmons points out that the other challenge is simply entitlement. We feel like the world owes us something. You know, he surveyed a wide number of parents and says, what is the number one concern you have about your kids? He thought they were going to say global warming or, you know, financial catastrophe in the economy or global war, cultural shifts. They said the greatest fear of the kids would be entitled. Because out of entitlement comes greed and meanness. It feels like life is due you. But the person who lives a grateful life, the one who wakes up saying, thank you, Lord, the one who declares as an invitation and exhortation, praise ye the Lord, recognize that all of life ultimately is a gift. And that we are valued not because we are somehow owed by broken life, but we are valued because, because God has written up in his word. He declared that before you were in your mother's womb, he had carved out a place for you in his will. We are valued because God has declared, I know the plans that I have for you to prosper you, to give you a future with a hope. We are valued because God has chosen us to be a part of his purpose and his plan, not because life owes us anything. So, here's the point. Having an attitude of gratitude just doesn't come normal for most of us, does it? We have to fight for it. We have to literally cultivate it. So, let me just take the next few moments just talk about looking at this psalm very closely. How do we go about the process of cultivating an attitude of gratitude, a, a, a praise the Lord spirit, a, a kind of a hallelujah consciousness as we pass through life. I love the way you asked your questions. Number one, uh, notice uh, how the sum is structured around three prepositions. Praise the Lord in, praise the Lord for, 
praise the Lord, with. In, for, with. The first, verse 1b. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. The God that is in his mighty heavens that deserves to be praised in worship happens also to be the God that's in his sanctuary and that Hebrew mind conceived God's sanctuary as the earth. And the, the suggestion is that, that wherever we are on the planet, come on now, we're in God's sanctuary, that we are surrounded by what I want to call a sacred context. We can't escape God no matter where we are. And we can't escape the gifts of God, regardless to the kinds of circumstances we find ourselves in. Notice what the psalmist says in Psalms 137, verse 7 through 11. And, and, and this, this, I'm calling this out because this means, and I'm praying that this message is going to be a source of revelation for you. That's, you know, when you have revelation, you begin to think differently and you practice a different way of thinking and you begin to see differently and you practice looking for things differently, seeing differently, if you will. I'm praying this will be, a, and it's, here's the first revelation. Here's what the psalmist says. Where can I go? Psalms 137 says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, there I find you still. He says, even if I surround myself with darkness, even the darkness is light to you. You are there. And wherever God is, come on now, comes his goodness. Even if we find ourselves in difficult circumstances, the goodness of God remains with us even in those circumstances. But we've got to train our minds and our hearts to look for them. We might have a hallelujah moment even in tough times. It's what enables us to get through Tough seasons, right? Motivation and tenacity and, and mood change. This notion of optimism comes from being grateful, which comes from being able to see the goodness of God in every circumstance. This is what 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 means. When Paul writes these words, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. Who belong to Christ Jesus. Here's what Dr. Uh, Emmons says. It's a wonderful phrase. He says, the grateful person sees life, watch this, this is a paraphrase, sees life as a series of blessings and gifts. He, he looks around and they see gifts all around, even in difficult circumstances. Uh, last weekend, I had to I feralized a remarkable partner of NBCC congregation, Miss uh, Marguerite. And one of the fascinating things I found out about her life was how it overflowed with gratitude, and she just literally transformed the lives of people who she engaged with. Uh, you know, her parents died at an early age. Later on, her brother would die. The aunt who raised her, she was raised by her aunt, she would ultimately die. They all would die of cancer. So every day Marguerite woke up, she realized that day was a gift. 
Ultimately, she was diagnosed with cancer. She had a two-year journey. But what I found to be remarkable at her memorial is how many of her nurses and doctors and people from her oncological team came to the memorial. And, and part of what happened was they, they, they were bonded with her because of her gratitude. Here she was fighting for her life with cancer, and yet inside of that horrendous circumstance, she certainly wasn't giving God thanks for cancer, but she was giving God thanks for how his goodness manifests inside of that circumstance. She saw every doctor, every nurse as, 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 as reasons to be grateful. They were gifts of goodness from God. Her oncology team is reasons to be grateful. They were gifts of goodness from God. And she would engage them and share with them and talk about how grateful she was. And even when things didn't go well, she would take time out and say, that's all right. You did the best that you could. We're doing the best we can. Thank you for being a part of my team. Thank you for being God's great. As a matter of fact, it got so incredible that they would look for her to show up for her treatment because they knew that they would be blessed by her showing up power of living a life of gratitude that's not defined by your external circumstances. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, because you're with us in every season. So, we got to recognize wherever I am, God's goodness is there. Secondly, we have to train then our minds to look for it, to see it. Look for it, see it. Notice what the psalmist says. Uh, notice what the psalmist says in verse 2. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Just go backwards. His surpassing greatness is revealed in his acts of power, his, 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 his expression of goodness and grace that surrounds us every day. Have you noticed his acts of power, his small acts, his big acts of power? That's all around you. Have you noticed them? Because if you see them, it sparks something in you. It ought to spark something in you that says, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're moving from one thank you, Lord, to the next thank you, Lord. You know, Dr. Emmons talks about something called the gratitude flow. He says one of the ways that we train our minds to, to identify the blessings and the goodness of God that is around us, that we're inundated with every day, is that we create what I've called over the years a Thanksgiving list. And, and, and this is really modeled in Psalms 103. We see it in two verses, verses 1 to 2. Listen what, is, what the writer says. He says, I love this, one of my favorites. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then if you read the psalm, it just goes on. He starts listening to benefits. Forgives my sins, heals my diseases. Come on, redeems my life from the pit. Crowns my head with goodness, with kindness and love and compassion. And he goes on. And on and on, he makes a list. That's what Dr. Emmons suggests, that we should, we, should, we should periodically make lists of how good God is, of the acts of kindness, of the, of the, of the acts of God's power, small and large, that surrounds us. But he says that as you make your kind of Thanksgiving list, you got to beware of what he calls gratitude fatigue. So that means I get up on Monday and I make a Thanksgiving list and I, I, I think, of, you know, and I revisit that list Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. By the time I get to Friday, the power of that list has worn down. 
Because I'm just revisiting the same things. We've got to take a page from the hymn writer, you know. Great is thy faithfulness. This is a great hymn of the church. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. From morning to morning, new mercies I see. It means that every day you wake up and you look for new mercies, new expressions of God's power all around you that makes you go, thank you, Lord. It might mean that at the end of the day before you jump in the bed, you take 15 minutes and, and, and you begin to chronicle some of the new mercies that you have seen. Now, when I say new mercies, I don't necessarily mean that, they, that, that it's something new that God has done. What I'm saying, they're new mercies because you're just now recognizing them. That every day if you go looking for God's mercies, you'll see some stuff you haven't paid any attention to all your life. You know, as the temperature change, you'll reach. You've been praying, God, give me revelation. Come on now. And you'll reach to turn the thermostat uh, uh, because it's gotten colder. And you'll reach to turn up the thermostat. And then suddenly, boom, it's a revelation. Wow, this is an expression of, 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 of an act of power by God. I live in a house where there's a thermostat that I can turn, and when things get colder, I can increase the heat because there's many places across this country and across the world where people don't have that access at all. They don't have that, that, that gift, that capacity. Oh, my goodness, praise the Lord. This is a celebrating moment. Or maybe the next time you get ready to open your amp and do DoorDash, have them to deliver you some pizza, you stop for a moment. I mean, you've been doing this for the last however many years, but suddenly you've been praying for revelation that, you, that God will cultivate a spirit of gratitude, and now you see a new mercy. Wow, I've got a cell phone. I, this, this technology I, I didn't recognize. Well, I mean, what a gift it is. And then I've got a DoorDash app. Come on now. And I've got enough resources that I can, I can, I can hit the button and, and send us something through DoorDash. Come on now. And in 30 minutes, DoorDash will drop some pizza and some sodas off at my house. Somebody ought to shout, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's amazing. Look for his new mercies. Begin to chronicle them. Let them get into your spirit. One uh, remarkable uh, thing uh, I understand that some years ago, people who studied neurology had some graduate students in psychology to play the game Tetris for, uh, you know, I don't know, hundreds of hours. And then they evaluated them afterwards for a few weeks. And what they discovered is that because they played the game Tetris for hundreds of hours, and you saw those different t the rectangle shapes, right, in the game, that these people, they suddenly recognize those patterns, those shapes in life all around them. They saw the shape in the wallet that they put in, the, in their purse or put in their back. They saw the shape in their cell phone. They saw the shape in the sandwich that they were making. They began to see the, the, the Tetris shapes all around them. Because by playing it for so long and so, it, it trained their brain. Yeah. As, as we begin to make these Thanksgiving lists, either consciously or, or, or just when I'm middle, we begin to train our brain to look for and recognize the patterns of God's new mercies. Wow. Let me tell you a quick story about how this impacted my personal life. In the first 10 years, I've often said that Rhonda and I, uh, we've been married 36 years. The first 10 years, extremely difficult. I gave her lots of reasons to see negative when she looked at me. I promise you, I gave her lots of reasons. 
But whenever we do marriage retreats together, Rhonda always tells a story that in her prayer time, God revealed to her how she needed to change her approach. Because she'd gotten to a point that wherever she would see me, she would only see the negative. And what God said was that every day she ought to identify one or two honest kind of reflections about something she was grateful for as it relates to me and tell them to me. And so she started practicing that. You know, maybe one day I wash my dishes in the sink and put them up. And she said, like, without sarcasm, she said, like, wow, you really like. She doesn't say for the first time in six months. She just says, wow, you washed your dishes. <laughs> she celebrated that. And maybe the next day she celebrated one of, you know, ways in which I was a good dad. And the next day she, she celebrated, you know, something that came forth in my ministry that really impacted her life. And, and, and she, would, she, would, she was aggressively looking. And now what happened was as she was seeing them and telling me, seeing them and telling me, come on now, those joy chemicals was happening in her as well as it was happening in me, come on now, and her brain was beginning to chronicle each and every one of these positive things about her husband that she, you know, for the last six and you know, last year she'd been fighting with. And all of a sudden she began, to, she didn't stop seeing the negative, but she also began to see the positive. And it was remarkably transformative. Not just for her, but for me. Because as she started calling out these things, come on now, I became grateful also for her that she could see those things. I could see the effort that was making and it inspired me to want to become a better husband to work on some of those things that I had walked away from. And, 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 and that mutual gratitude back and forth, come on now, not overnight, took us a while, but, 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 but in a, in a, over six months to a year had revolutionized, had helped us to get out of that bad space. Wow. Do you see the power of gratitude? It doesn't mean that you stop seeing the negative. It just means you also see the positive. And you say, thank you, Lord. Or you call it out in the life of that person. You know, last week, one last quick story. Uh, in our serving at both of our campuses, we had our adults and students to write tons of letters. Uh, we, 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 we mobilized, you guys did, more than 700 hygiene kits that we put together, personal items to help to give to people who are in these homeless shelters. And we wrote letters and notes to them to tell them how important they were and how loved they were. We did the same thing for students in our school in Nigeria that we supported, in the school in Guatemala that we supported. These remarkable these kids and adults all writing these notes. It was remarkable. Letters. And by, at the end of the whole thing, the whole hall was just full of bubbling excitement and joy because they had participated in this act of gratitude by writing letters and notes. That's another practice that Dr. Eamon uh, uh, suggests that we should do. Identify people who've been a blessing to us and take time and write a letter to them and share with them our gratitude. And while we're blessing them, we're doing therapy on ourselves. Come on now. God is blessing us. Praise the Lord. And then the Psalms ends. So, so, so number one, I, you know, I'm praying for revelations, right? I got to think differently. I got to recognize that whatever my circumstances are, the goodness of God is there. I just got to start finding. I got to start looking for those new mercies and chronicling them. Right? And then here's how it ends. Verse 3. 
Praise him, God, that is, with, everybody shout with, the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with, come on, uh, the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the tremble and the dancing. And then it goes on to say, let everything that has breath, let him praise the Lord. And really what the, what the psalmist is suggesting is the psalmist kind of sees himself in the middle and he's looking at life that has been so compartmentalized and kind of like a, a, an, or, an orchestra leader. He, in his mind, all of these different pieces are coming together. And notice he doesn't say let everyone that has breath. He says everything. And really in the psalmist's mind, suddenly his, his mind has been activated and he sees all of the remarkable powers and gifts and graces of God all around him. All around him. And it's as though everything is saying, my gosh, praise God. He sees the trees and they're greening and the flowers and they're blooming. And it's as though the flowers and the trees are saying, praise God, as they do what God designed them to do. He's thinking about the fish that are swimming and and the fish uh, as they swim is declaring, praise God. The the bumblebees that are hovering are declaring, praise God. And and, and he's kind of translating it to the totality of his life. And now he can look all around and he sees a reason to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And that's what I want to charge you. Listen, at the end of the day, the indispensable gift is ultimately gratitude that empowers you to see all of the remarkable, innumerable gifts of God that surrounds you every day. Every single day. So you get up, you say, thank you, Lord. As you go to your closet, you, you say, thank you, Lord, I got choices. Come on, come on, as you catch the bus and get on your scooter, you say, thank you, Lord. Come on, as you show up at a job, you say, thank you, Lord. Come on, and, 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 and you begin to cultivate an awareness that brings gratitude into the normality of your life. And you live a life that ultimately is one big praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let me give you a gratitude challenge. We're finished. Thank you so much. Here's a gratitude challenge that I want to suggest uh, that you do. I want to suggest that you make a list this week, you know, of things that you're grateful for. Encourage your family members to do the same and share that around the Thanksgiving table. And I want to suggest that, that, uh, uh, that you identify two people. And in November and in December, you write a letter, one letter in November, one in December, to those people, telling them what a blessing they've been, how grateful you are. God willing, we'll see you next week. Happy Thanksgiving.